Good morning. I'm Karen Robertson, and if you don't know me, I'm the director of children's ministries, and really I'm delighted to help out here to you. Sit back, put your feet up, take a nap, but do not snore, okay? I got the snore police around in here. They'll be watching for you. Well, my world consists of wonderful children, not only in my own life, but here in our church family. messing with your brain. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the many blessings you give us. Open our ears and hearts to be set apart from the busyness of our lives, Peter, to hear your word and understand. We've come here today to worship you and give you all the praise. First of all, I am not going to let slip by. Happy Grandparents Day once again. So let's have a round of applause for all those wonderful grandparents. Not only uh, for us that are grandparents, but for the grandparents that have shaped our own lives. Um, so yeah, bet you didn't know I have eight grandchildren. Yep, all under the age of seven. Oh, are they there? Oh yeah, there's the happy crew. That was at Easter. But here's some rules for grandparents. Maybe you'll agree. Grandkids are always welcome. Parents by appointment expect to be spoiled and work hard to inflict it. Always have fun. Dessert time comes first. Bedtime is negotiable. Share family traditions and make new ones. Some grandmas write in limousines and live in houses fit for queens, but my grandma is best by far because she throws her cookies out. How many of you can relate to that one? That's right. Cookies and kids, they just go together. So if you put up uh, the art drawings, I asked my families if uh, they could ask the kids to uh, do some artwork for Grammy and maybe things they wanted to do with them. I can't really remember last time I was riding a unicorn over the rainbow with Max, but you know what? I love the imagination. I think that the new markers were uh, nice there. Um, but Shay has made me very tall. It's kind of hard to see what she intends. And then um, I've seen her reading books, and you know, I just love the imagination of kids. This is what we're for, you guys. This is, this is so much fun. But actually, kids, tell it like it is. And the teachers take it and turn it into children's books. I think that's a pretty good idea. So actually, for the first time in, in all my years of teaching here at Sunday School, the kids are actually learning the same scripture downstairs as what is the sermon message that's being taught. 
so it's a challenge for me because I teach the new curriculum. It's called Orange. And so they have taken red as the heart of Jesus, red as the heart of the families, and yellow as the light of Jesus, and they combine them to have Orange. It combines the strengths in family and the church to capture the hearts and minds of the next generation. To me, this is really exciting. Great activities, great applications, really right down there at kid level. And so I'm excited to, to do that and be able to teach Nehemiah this whole month. So actually, I've had a whole lot of material to be able to glean on and, and write this sermon. I really don't know what is harder, to expand the scripture or to shrink it down to about five minutes of small talk. Either one uh, is God's word at its best. So those of you that maybe have missed last week, we were in chapter one of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the last book of history. This is where the tribal nations of Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel, and his 12 sons have been split into Judah and Israel for many years of war. Remember Joyce and Tor, the, uh, the poster boy? But he was a great leader. He was a prayer warrior. He was one who knew God well and honored him in all parts of his life. His hometown is Jerusalem. But years before it had been destroyed, the walls had been torn down and the gates burned. The Jewish people were exiled to Babylon, which is actually modern-day Iraq, another area. So his brother Hanani comes to visit him, and he says that the city still lays in rubble and destruction. So in the meantime, Nehemiah is now living in the land of Susa, which is the main city of the Persian Empire doesn't say it there again, as his family has been exiled with many others through all these years. But now he is the cupbearer to the king of Persia, and that is very important, just like I did with the kids, because he has this role of trust that um, the king knows that if somebody employs him in Nehemiah's system, so it's really not a very good job to have, but he is in this position. You see, God has always promised that the Jewish people would return to the land of Israel, of Jerusalem, and there was always a group, a remnant of people that remained. But very few remained close to God, and they fell to their own selection. Because of his family roots, Nehemiah knew God well, and he feels a call to go into leadership to rebuild the temple to restore the walls to prevent enemy attacks, but most important, to restore the reality of the power of God's presence among the people. He begins to initiate this task that no one seemed to care about for years. Time had gotten away from the Jewish people, but Nehemiah sets forth to accomplish this task. So before I get into scripture, I've got to share another story. Um, it's all about initiating a task and what we can learn from the team leader. Can anybody here have a string for chickens? Any chickens? No chickens? Anybody have a caught? Oh, anybody have a caught a chicken? Angie, yeah, okay. Chickens are the funniest to watch. Well, anyway, my son has chickens. He lives outside of Genesee, and this has just been a family experience for all of us. My little grandson, Ryder, who is not yet two, was determined to catch the last hen that needed to get into the pen. 
down the fence on me, and I see everything the kids are doing and going really funny. So a little two-year-old up and down the fence on me trying to catch this chicken, and all of a sudden, so gently he went out of his way to come up and get the chicken and come around and start eating it. What can we learn from a two-year-old? That was initiative. That wasn't his dad saying, go get the chicken. That was him being determined and having the mission accomplished. And son, he was learning a lot from the kids. So this is where we come in today. I want you to turn to page 476. are in Nehemiah 2, 1 through 20, and I'm actually, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I am going to highlight on a few of the verses, so you can still follow along. So what's going on is Nehemiah is very sad to hear of his brother's news that things are still in rubble. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked him, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. You know, that is Rebuild the wall. 
signals that set for action. Nehemiah had this vision. He saw what needed to be done, and he did it. His leadership inspired others to live for God. So what can we learn about the life of Nehemiah and the leadership that he had? How can we know God and move forward? So I'm going to ask us to reflect on three different questions. And this is one of my favorite books that I got in seminary. It's called Three Simple Questions, Knowing the God of Love, Hope, and Purpose. Question one, who are you? Who are you? What are your gifts, your talents, your vision, your dream, your passion? Who is God? Do you know him? Do you share your faith or want to know him better? And who are you? Who am I with God? Who are you with God? Who are we together? Does God know you? What else is God saying? We can do great things. God will allow that. But it's in the little areas of everyday life that make a huge difference. Let me share what my eyes have recently seen. Back in June, I have seen the kids praying over donated food for the Romania orphans, food for orphan souls. Kids praying for kids in scholarships. I have seen the single mom and her four children be baptized together at Village School a couple weeks ago with many extended family and church family there to join her in celebration. God's presence and power revealed. Last week, little Parker Smythe was just in Fiji. Well, fourth grader, I was helping a preschooler with communion, and along the way, uh, she had come with her grandma and grandpa, wasn't really sure what was going on. I was explaining to her that she needs to go at church authority to give her money. And then I thought about Parker. Parker was helping his mom and dad. Um, and he had the, the wine. He had the communion. And then I was thinking, this little preschooler could reach down and get the communion cup so she could see in there to give to the Lord. That was so awesome. And I praised Parker for it. And I told Susie, and it was just such a happy moment because that was an initiative. I didn't say, Parker, take the cup down. I didn't say, somebody smarter. Help her out. That was an initiative. And I'm just so proud of that. These are my models of our present day. Doing what God has asked us to do and simply doing it in everyday life. So who is Nehemiah? He was a man who had a vision. God put the desire to build the temple walls into his heart. He knew he had the talent to get the job done. Nehemiah was a man who responded to problems with courage. Some people just want to get things done. And I would say, someone wants to do something. He said, I will do it. And he went and he pushed communion to the result that he wanted. So I ask, who is me? Who am I? Who are you? Know that God has given you many gifts to love and grow in your faith. Believe that you are God's select people. So who is God to Nehemiah? Nehemiah demonstrated great 
worship, and he is spiritually ready to answer the call of spiritual planning, teamwork, and courage to get the job done. He knew God well and trusted him implicitly. God had pursued his people from the beginning of creation, and he wasn't giving up on the Jewish remnant. God doesn't give up on you. He organized and motivated and encouraged the Jewish people to help him rebuild while renewing their faith along the way. Yes, he saved some of his people, but continue to carry on in the work. These are the character qualities of what God can do within us. But who is God? Does he motivate you? Do you seek his guidance? Know that God is greater than your invested the time to rebuild the temple, but he was, more importantly, restoring the Jewish families back to faith and oneness with him. He was investing in lives, lives of men and women and children and parents and grandchildren and those of all ages and generations. So who are these character qualities? What can happen when we unite with God and we unite here with our families? your time in relationships and family and friends and people of the church. You know, day by day and year by year, which really determines the spiritual planning of your life. Well, I'm not sure about you, but time seems to fly by. And any of you that have Facebook, um, I began to see this uh, on Facebook, where children were holding out signs or chalkboards or God, oh, I'm so happy. It was just a, a sign of realizing life is amazing. We had the kids come up here to the altar. We prayed over them for a, a great successful year, a time of learning for God to be with them. Book bags were chosen. College move-ins were happening. Life is moving fast. So let me give you a visual reminder of that. This represents about a thousand weeks in the life of a child. From birth to about age 18. And so, where it's your child or your own life, there's one week. And here's another week. And here's another week.
ministries together to shape community. We see the future of the foundation poured out before us. It's a new life coming in. Could be pretty muddy right now. Ellis had a good idea. We might get soaked swimming and all that mud on Lake Evangelist. But what fun we are going to have. Fun for generations to come. With accomplish the task you have before us. 